0: Everyone. happy Gabby's gone day. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Good morning, Ben. Morning. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to march on Parliament and make a noise. So, what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on Matt Hancock entering the celebrity jungle, saying that he wants people to see the real me – which, having spoken to some who know the real him already, may be a real act of overconfidence on his part. But we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? But today in Westminster, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, is on the ropes because not only does he have the mother of all financial headaches, a minister has just had to resign and another one's looking very shaky. And it's been perhaps, I don't know, two weeks since the last resignations, just ages in the current climate. It seems like a long time since we had a crisis. Now, Ben... Take us through this. So Gavin Williamson was officially minister without portfolio, but unofficially he was sort of chief chief whip in charge of party discipline. So if I've got this right, he was basically chief bully um, in charge of bullying people. He's been found to have bullied them so badly that he can no longer bully them effectively. So he's had to go and they'll get another bully instead. Have I got that right?
1: I think we should stress that their allegations and that Sir Gavin aren't we? So what's happened is he was Chief Whip uh, back a few years ago, first of all uh, under Theresa May. Um, now the Chief Whip is responsible for discipline, um, enforcing discipline, but also for welfare. Now the, the role was obviously made famous in House of Cards, the original British version. The character Francis Urquhart uh, became, I think, Frank Underwood in the American version. And Gavin Williamson seems to have taken it all a bit literally, like some of the, uh, the way he behaves. Um, he apparently wrote a cheque for one MP who was experiencing financial difficulties. And when he gave it to the deputy chief whip to pass on to this, uh, this unfortunate MP, said, make sure he knows I own him now. Um, you know, he was very Machiavellian, dark arts, everyone knew how Gavin Williamson behaved, he actually kept a literal whip on his desk, and he also had this tarantula called Cronus, which apparently he would use to intimidate people. Uh, he was a bit of a weird character, but he survived various scandals, um, you know, the, through various governments. So, of course, he was sacked as Defence Secretary uh, by Theresa May because he allegedly leaked from the National Security Council, which is a big no-no. You should not leak from the NSC. He denied that, but he still got sacked came back under Boris Johnson's Education Secretary, made complete haul of the exam system during coronavirus, sacked again for incompetence this time, brought back once more because he was quite influential in Rishi Sunak's leadership campaign. You remember, that's the one that Rishi Sunak lost to Liz Dryas, who proved such a success that she had to go seven weeks later, and then Richard that becomes Prime Minister after all, and brings Sir Gavin back into government as a Cabinet Office Minister without of portfolio. So, yeah, he was working behind the scenes. It was only actually yesterday we got a full breakdown of what his exact um, job, what his exact role would entail. And a few hours after that, he has to resign because of these messages that he'd been found to send to the current or the Liz Truss's Chief Whip, and then various revelations about his behaviour when he was Secretary of State for Defence. And basically, the floodgates were open. So, Gavin Williamson realised the writing was on the wall and resigned to, to the Prime Minister yesterday. Yeah.
0: Evening. The thing is, that, I mean, you know, he's had the writing on the wall and seen what's happened. He's been sacked, not for the same thing repeatedly, but for three different things he's managed to get wrong. Um, but, or allegedly wrong. But um, the issue is really, isn't it, how much Rishi Sunak knew? Because apparently he was aware there were complaints against him. Everyone in Westminster and Larry the Cat knew that, that Gavin Williamson operated like this and thought he was like Francis Urquhart, even though he's a former fireplace salesman. Um, and it's, it's hardly a surprise. The question really was why Rishi ever appointed him in the first place, wasn't it?
1: That's right. I mean, basically, Gavin Williamson's always sort of fancied himself as his backroom operator, as the wit would. Um, and sort of made himself this caricature, and has tried to make himself indispensable to various prime ministers. He would always his thing was he would see he was going to become leader, and then get close to them, and convince them in some sort of like, you know, confidence trickster from uh, faulty towers. He would do that. He would convince the, these these leaders in waiting that they needed him, and so it proved because they all took him into government. Arishtu mm-hmm. Nak, you know, the supposed grown up in the room, relied on him or thought he needed to rely on him just as much as. David Cameron did because back in the day he was David Cameron's uh, parliamentary private secretary, which is you know the first rung on the ministerial ladder and uh, the bag carrier around Parliament. But he got close to people and yeah, and managed to convince them that he was indispensable to them. And now he has been dispensed to them. I see quite how indispensable he was.
0: Well, probably most of us know someone uh, in an office or maybe a newsroom that has done things like that before and acted in that way to get uh, promoted. Now, Misha says, are we shocked, really? Isn't this level of psychopathy pretty much required for entrance into the Tory party? I think it's a drive for entry into politics, to some extent, although there are lots of politicians who aren't lunatics. Um, but like I said, we do see it everywhere. But one thing I'd say, Ben, I was um, came home from London, through London Bridge yesterday, right? And as I was standing on the platform, there was an announcement on the tannoy, just a standard, regular sort of taped thing they put out regularly, that you will hear at lots of places that says, you know, we will not tolerate abuse or uh, bullying of our staff. Any such behaviour will, you know you'd be ejected from the station kind of thing. I've seen notices about that at the vets, all right? Um, It's a bit bit leery down here sometimes. Um, But if it's not allowed at the train station, then how come David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak have all been fine employing somebody who allegedly operates in that manner? Why didn't someone stop him?
1: It's the usual thing about different rules apply at Westminster, isn't it? You know, we've seen various sleazy behaviour, bullying allegations. It just seems to be that this sort of thing is accepted in Westminster and it's becoming less acceptable as the fact that he's now gone uh, demonstrates. But there's been two referrals about Sir Gavin's behaviour to um, the Independent Grievance and Complaints uh, Service in Parliament, the IGCS. Um, One by Wendy Morton, the chief whip, and uh, the Liz Truss for text messages he sent her about him being basically upset that he wasn't invited to the Queen's funeral, and also from a former civil servant at the Ministry of Defence who um, Sir Gavin told we are, we are led to believe told to slit your throat and uh, jump out of the window. So it's not very nice behaviour even in Westminster. So that parliamentary um, process, that investigation will go on, even though. Uh, Sir Gavin is no longer a minister. And at its most, it could, you know, I think it can recommend suspensions and censure and things like that. So this definitely isn't the end of the matter because those investigations, I mean, in his resignation letter, um, Williamson actually said that he he's stepping down so he can focus on dealing with those investigations. Am that's I right thinking,
0: Ben, what happened to the internal investigation into Chris Pincher's alleged handiness? Is that still going on as well?
1: Uh, I believe that's still going on, yeah.
0: Yeah, they don't they don't go quickly, these things. In fact, they tend to they tend to perhaps end when someone's not looking at them anymore. Mm-hmm. Now Mike says, I bet Matt's fuming. Matt Hancock is fuming now, knowing there's a suddenly a spare cabinet seat, even without portfolio. He'll be screaming, he'll be screaming, I'm a celebrity, get me into the cabinet. To be fair, Mike, that's probably exactly what his plan is for the next few years. It worked for Nadine Dorries, let's face it. Batman says, good morning, Foxy. Hello, Batman. Time for another prime minister. Um, Not yet. Let's let's let Rishi do all the bad, horrible stuff and then have a general election in early next year and uh, at least... Uh, the next Prime Minister, whoever it is, won't have to deal with some of all the, the crud that um, I think Rishi Sumak is going to have heaped upon him and all the opprobrium. Now, keep asking us your questions. What do you think about Gavin Williamson going? What do you think about him being in government in the first place? Have you worked with someone a bit like Gavin? I certainly have. But to another issue on Rishi's desk, which is that of a, oh no, sorry, on the other side of things, I'm going to talk about Home Secretary Isabella Braverman, now she's facing repeated accusations of breaking the law, misleading Parliament, creating unofficial detention centres at Manston. And it all sort of generally calls into question, along with Gavin's uh, story, the judgment of this third prime minister we've had in about as many months, all of whom, of course, went because their judgment was called into question. Uh, Now, Rishi said when he entered Downing Street, Ben, it would be a government of integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. When's that gonna start, do you think?
1: Yeah, it's not looking great, is it, for the Prime Minister's judgment, both as Braham and Sir Gavin Williamson? And I think at Prime Minister's questions at uh, noon noon today, we can expect Sakia Starmer to really push the Prime Minister on that. Like he will tie all of these issues. Reappointing Swella Braham in six days after she forced to resign because of breaching a ministerial code. And now bringing in Gavin Williamson so when he knew there was an investigation against him or a complaint against him, rather, over bullying allegations, and yet still Rishi Sunak decided to appoint them both. And the the key for Labour is pinning it on him. because It's all very well, you know, one minister resigning, another basically being on borrowed time, as well of Brakman is. But they need to tie it to the Prime Minister, because he's the one that people recognise, he's the key figure in all this. So it's his judgement that will be under question. So expect basically the Labour leader and lots of opposition MPs, more generally to really give him a go about this for about half an hour this afternoon in, in the Commons over the dispatch boxes. Because I think that's what Labour really want to push home is judgment. Because especially when Richard Sunak supposed to come in as this, you know, mature, uh, responsible politician who's going to be the grown-up that takes over from Boris Johnson, takes over from Liz Truss, you know, sanity restored. And yet here he is being criticised for two appointments that he made on his very first day in Downing Street.
0: Exactly. It's not something you can really avoid. And one of the other things that's going to be happening uh, at, at promises Questions later on is hopefully. Lots of uh, MPs wearing this, which is the missing medal. Now, uh, to this is to another issue on Rishi's desk, which is that of a mere meagre medal for Britain's nuclear test veterans. Now, on Monday on this show, we discussed how a secretive medal committee had ruled against them getting a medal for the fourth time, having previously said that there was no risk or rigor demonstrated to their service at nuclear weapons test. Now, they have kicked it upstairs to a slightly bigger committee on which Rishi Sunak and the monarch have their own representatives. And it is now, therefore, up to Rishi. He has the power and he's the last person in Britain who can do it to seek an audience with the king and request uh, that there be a medal. And um, for that main committee, therefore, to be told to find there needs to be one. There is a precedent for that and it is set down in the rules that Rishi can do it. Yesterday in Parliament Square, the veterans and their families marched uh, to demand that Rishi sort it out. And we've got some video of exactly what happened. Roll tape. Now, here we are. This is the the gathering outside in the lashing rain. We had lots of MPs there with us. We had uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey from Salford talking there to Archie, who's an HMS Diana veteran who had to sail through fallout. We marched along Whitehall, which is the ancient right of access that everyone has in the country. And we paid our respects at the Cenotaph. We laid a wreath by the barriers there um, and again outside Downing Street. Um, And then when we got to the Ministry of Defence, this happened. Some police turned up. And as you'll see, the lady there who was questioning us had her hand on her weapon the entire time. Now, Uh, All government buildings are guarded by armed police, which is absolutely fair enough, Ben. When we went to Downing Street and laid our wreath, the police stayed in their little hut because they could see there was some old men and some people in wheelchairs. And they let us do what we wanted to do. And when we walked away, they very quietly and very kindly took the wreath that we left by the gates of Downing Street and put it up against the cenotaph behind the barriers where we hadn't been able to get where it is resting today uh, with black and yellow flowers to uh, illustrate black of the cloud and the the yellow of the fireball now uh when we went to amod the armed police turned up and the mood changed entirely it was much more intimidating like i said that the lady who was demanding to speak to organizers um was had her hand on her weapon the entire time and um, we got this great big six foot four blokes sort of being quite menacing. There's a couple there in the background of the MOD lobby that came out as they were stood on the steps, these four old gentlemen. Um, and we had a minute's silence there and uh, they, we were made to feel extremely unwelcome. Now Steve, who was there um, and his, uh, came in his wheelchair, said yesterday was quite a day. The chance to remember my dad at the cenotaph was a very special moment for my mum and myself. Unfortunately, when they went on to the Ministry of Defence, they were pretty much told to hurry up and move out of the way not quite ejected but really not uh, accepted or, or given the respect they deserved now Ben you know if all of Whitehall is guarded by our police you have them at parliament you deal with them every day um what's your experience of policing in Whitehall as a correspondent who works down there is this normal behavior or not
1: so it's different because obviously we do deal with them every day and we do see them and it, you know when I t- tell my friends back home you know if they've seen an armed policeman in town or something, it's a big deal to them. And it's mm. not a big deal for me. I get off the tube, they're there at Westminster, go through the gates at Westminster, they're everywhere. And, you know, for very good reasons, as was illustrated with the attack on Westminster back in March 2017. Um, but obviously, a, a, a relatively small protest, peaceful protest, you wouldn't expect to armed police to be involved in that. Now, should say as well, obviously there are heightened... Tensions at the moment in Parliament, uh, in and around Westminster and Whitehall, because we have got Remembrance Sunday coming up. there are crash barriers around the Senate tarp, and there are regular checks being made, because obviously the high-profile nature of um, both the Armistice Day um, memorials that will take place tomorrow, and then Remembrance Sunday itself, um, you know, they're regularly checking the drains, and there are, there are armed police. And the other thing, I've, last week, I believe it was, when I was on my way into Downing Street for the regular daily briefing that we get is, um, as lobby correspondents, It was a just stop oil protest just right in front of the cenotaph. And there was, you know, a lot of police came and started trying to unglue them from the road and pick them up. So there is heavy security. Um, I I haven't seen a situation where our police have sort of confronted a a small protest, small peaceful protest like that before. So, yeah, I was quite surprised to see them, see those images and that footage that you just played. yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a noisy protest, but it was respectful. Uh, And like I said, I I think part of the reason perhaps is that the cenotaph is directly opposite the gates of Downing street. So when we marched there first and we laid our wreaths and the veterans sort of lined up and they stepped forward, they laid their wreath, they saluted as you saw Brian do there. There were some families who, um, you know, laid a wreath on behalf of their fathers and took sort of emotional moment uh, at the cenotaph. Everyone had the chance to just have, have a personal moment there because you don't get that any other chance normally. Um, And I think the, Coppers at Downing Street could see what we were doing, so when we then went to Downing Street and did the same thing there, they went fair enough. And when we left, they very kindly took the wreaths that we left there and put them on the cenotaph because they could see that was going on. Now the Ministry of Defence police didn't have that that pleasure, but uh, when I've ever had to deal, I've, I've covered lots of protests. I've been in riots. Not rioted, obviously. Um, but I've I've been around, like you have, plenty of armed police at times, and they know damn well you don't put your finger on the trigger. You don't um, hold it across your, your body right in front of people when you're talking to them. You you know, how you de-escalate situations and how you escalate them entirely different. And this was badly handled policing, I think, to be fair. It was a very bad look for the Ministry of Defence, especially considering that it's the Ministry of Defence which has been covering up and lying to these veterans for 70 years. Steve says, you don't see armed police at the eco protest blocking roads. Veterans are a bit more of an easy target. You do get the you get police turning up but they're not armed in quite the same way Steve you're quite right and they do generally try to negotiate. with the the eco-protesters blocking the M25, but you got four men in their 80s and 90s uh, tootling along and wishing to lay a wreath, which is supposed to be fairly sacred, to the war dead, the Cold War dead, uh, and they're made to feel very unwelcome. It's not a good look at Remembrance Week. Mike says, could those heavy-handed tactics have been caused by requests from inside the MOD offices? I did very much get the impression that someone had made a phone call, Mike, but that's just an assumption. I don't know. Probably more like that. the security guard the lobby went, oh my god, someone's turned up and made a call to somebody. We'll have to see how things turn out, don't we, in the, in the rest of the week. Um, now, it's obviously Armistice Day on Friday. The veterans will be marching at the Cenotaph wearing their missing medal badges on Sunday. Uh, And if you would like your own, if you are a nuclear test veteran you don't have one or a member of the family, or if you would like to support the nuclear veterans, you can go to um, the labrats.international webpage. I think that they're probably watching this and there'll be a link going in the comments. Uh, They have a shop where you can buy your own and it also contributes to the cause and helps them keep on campaigning and fighting. So if you like one of these badges, it's an absolute honor to be invited to wear one myself then, um, you know, go ahead and see if you can have your own. There will be further revelations to come on the test veterans later this week. But at PMQs today, like I said, there should be some MPs wearing these, and that's why. It's because their support for the missing medal that the nuclear test veterans uh, deserve. Now, get into the questions. Ask us your comments. How do you feel about Gav finally being gone? Do you think Suella Braverman is going to be next? Do you think Rishi Brett Sunak is going to last past Christmas? He's going to last longer than a lettuce, but uh, you know I don't know what's like. Is he going to last as long as uh, the Christmas turkey? We'll have to see, won't we? Uh, and we we'll try and wrap some of those at the end. But first off, there is some good news in the world, and we managed to dig it out for you. Here it is. Now, you remember a few weeks ago, October the 12th, in fact, uh, the NHS put out an Amber Alert because it was running low on blood. They had only two days' supply for the entire country when normally they need six. So planned operations were cancelled and it was all looking a bit sticky. Well, the great British public stepped up. And last Monday, the blood transfusion service says they saw the biggest uptick in new donors in 20 years. Seven and a half thousand people signed up in a single day. The alert has been lifted. The blood is flowing like wine. Fabulous. Ben, is this proof that Britain has got a massive heart and it beats within its people?
1: Yeah, it's great news, isn't it? That when uh, when the back call went out, basically that people did go to the blood banks and the temporary uh, vehicles that turn up at your workplaces, so you can uh, give a pint. So it's very good news that people did recognise the the urgency uh, and of the situation and wanted to do their bit because it is you know we don't like some countries don't pay people to donate blood. Um, you do it out of the goodness of your heart. Um, so it is it is great that people have, have seen that and wanted to do their bit. It does, for me, it brings back like how people were with their neighbours during the pandemic. And, you know, we're going shopping. Is there anything you need picking up? That sort of, I'm loath to use the phrase based society that David Cameron uh, obviously got elected on back in 2010. But it is people showing the greater goods and doing something that, remember, giving blood is a little bit of an insurance policy as well. Because you might be the one who gets run over by the bus and needs two, 12 pints of blood. So, you know, you do it. Not just as well because you want to help your fellow man, but you do it because it could be you one day that needs that blood. So you do bear that in mind. You don't want the blood stocks to be low if you're the one requiring the transfusion
0: exactly and it's you know the entire theory of taxation the nhs everything you pay in to help everybody else but it helps you too is supposed to be the point so long as they spend all this stuff wisely and uh, and they use it well but you know blood does all go in in good people so that's not a bad thing at all so one question we've got to wrap on eileen says have we ever had a government where so many have been sacked and where so many politicians have been guilty of sleazy and bullying acts uh, the government we've got is very, very new. So, so far, we've got one who's sacked for allegations. But, of course, I think Eileen's talking about the governments we've had since, uh, since 2010, 2015, when Cameron uh, got elected uh, on the alone as opposed to part of a the coalition. And there has been, especially in the last couple of years, since 2019 and Boris Johnson, Ben, there's been a never-ending whack in the face with a wet fish someone else has gone someone else has gone um is this what why is that is this because you know the people who are in these type of governments because of the, their ideology or there's something about them or because they're on the fringes of their party they're just less experienced or they're less good or they're less nice is is it because they're not as centrist and they're not as i don't know not as reasonable
1: i think there's, there's several reasons one is that and i was talking to someone about this um Couple of days ago, that because the Conservatives ended up getting a much bigger majority than they thought they would, they hadn't vetted strictly some of the MPs who ended up getting elected. So they hadn't been through the very, very tough procedures that you would if you were going to, for example, win a safe seat in Surrey, for example. Um, so there's that. There's also fish rots from the head. So if Boris Johnson's the Prime Minister, the leader of the party and you know, multiple sleaze allegations against him, multiple extramarital affairs. Um, failure to declare outside earnings in time in Parliament and scant regard for the rules that we saw around um, the pandemic. But if people think that's how the leader behaves, so they'll think, well, that's fine, I can do that as well. And then there's another element, which is perhaps one we should welcome, which is people won't put up with this nonsense anymore. You know, you could maybe it's we've all, you know, become too thin-skinned, some might argue, But the tolerance level for people sending abusive messages like Gavin Williamson did to the Chief Whip, well, back in, you know, 20 years ago, people might just have taken that. Now, people won't accept that anymore. You know, the workplace, people have certain standards that they think they can expect in the workplace and they don't put up with that sort of nonsense. So that's something to be welcomed because people realize their tolerance for it has run dry. So there are processes where you can raise these. I mean, obviously, it's Her Majesty's Press, where we welcome anyone welcoming uh, giving it's us such an But there are, within Parliament, there are complaints processes which didn't exist a few years ago where they can, can be raised and dealt with largely behind the scenes, at least until the outcome of an investigation. So I think those three elements um, do, have all combined for this, this reputation of this Parliament this former Prime Minister and Boris Johnson, and the fact that people just don't put up with this sort of stuff anymore.
0: No, well, I do wonder a little bit if, I mean, it is good, I think, that you've got some people, obviously officials and so on, who know there's someone they can go to complain to, as Pretty Patel experienced, as Gavin Williamson experienced. Um, but, you know, Anne Milton, who came out with this Czech uh, story, she's left Parliament. And she didn't mention it at the time. And she's an experienced woman in the world and she's fairly tough. There's no reason that she, she couldn't have raised that with somebody. Um, I, mean, I just worry whether there are still people probably deeper within the organi- many organisations, many walks of life who go, well, I know I could and I know I should, but I don't think I can. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the interview Anne Milton gave to Channel 4 last night, which basically did for Gavin Williamson in the end. Um, these things that she's referring to happened six years ago. Uh, she, she could have spoken up at the time. Maybe she did um, internally, and you know, like a good deputy chief whip, kept her mouth shut at the time. But we don't know that. I don't believe she was asked whether did you speak up about this at the time. And the fact remains that Gavin Williamson did remain post, um, whilst all this was going on. So we have to assume that either she didn't speak up, or if she did, then we um. wanted to know. or thought, well, I'll just get on with it. Yeah,
0: and served under four prime ministers since then. So, you yeah, there's, uh, know, there's cleaning the Orgean stables and then there's the person in charge of the stables not really caring that it's a bit of a mess underneath anyway. Oh, dear, we'll have to see, won't we, how long Suella Bradman's going to last, how long will she lasts? last, whether this actually all does get tidied up and whether we do get a missing medal in time for the national commemoration of the Plutonium Jubilee on November the 21st, which we will be carrying on these channels. Um, now, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Ben, for taking us through some of this. We're going to have to wrap up now because he's got to go. Catch a train. He has to go to that thing called work. Um, but we'll join you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. If you're listening uh, to us on a podcast, please leave us a review. Uh, and I believe Prime Minister's questions will be carried uh, on these Facebook pages later on. So tune in then and see everybody wearing their missing medal badges and what kind of a beating Rishi Sunak takes. Bye, everybody. See you later.